Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. We have a detailed lesson for the brothers and sisters worldwide. Today's lesson will be called The Birth of a Nation. Um, We're going to go into how do we become a nation, brothers and sisters, because a lot of brethren and sisters alike, um, once they have the understanding that we are the children of Israel, we're God's chosen people, as it states in biblical literature, they say, well... We know who we are. Where's the kingdom? Where's the rulership? You know, where's all of that at? And one thing that we have to learn is in order to receive the rulership, the land, the government, we must know how to be a nation, brothers and sisters. We must learn how to operate as a nation with one common purpose. Right now, we don't have that. We don't agree on anything, brothers and sisters. We can't agree on who we are. We can't agree on who our God is. We can't agree on what our purpose is collectively. So we would have to come together in these things, brothers and sisters, the same way when you go to the Asians, they have a purpose. They know who their God is. They know what they're working towards. They know who they are. So there's a purpose, brothers and sisters. We need our purpose in order to become a nation, brothers and sisters. How, you know, what we'll learn is how to galvanize under one ideology, under one objective, under one understanding. That's what we're going to go into today, brothers and sisters. This lesson will help us accurately assess the obstacles that are in front of us as we nation build, as we become kingdom ready. Because we will get the rulership, but we must be prepared for it first. When you a professional athlete, you don't just go into the professional leagues, to the NBA, the NFL. You actually have to practice first before you get drafted. So right now we're practicing on becoming more uh, unified in order to be uh, considered as a nation, brothers and sisters. We must agree on who we are. We must agree on who our God is. We must agree on what our purpose is. We're going to Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 4. 17? Uh, Yes, excuse me, 17, verse 4. Jeremiah 17, verse 4. And thou, even thyself, shalt discontinue from thy inheritance that I gave thee. And I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not. So the Most High said that, you know, he would blind us. Israel has been supernaturally blinded by the Most High himself until the point of time of our redemption. So he said he would take away our heritage. He would take away the understanding of who we are and then cause us to serve another nation, another nationality of people in a land we did not know. America, we didn't know this land. We served our enemies. Brothers and sisters, are we saying all white people are our enemies? Of course not. That's foolish. What we're saying is the governments that, you know, that put us in that predicament. Because why? You have in order to sell something, you must be in league with the government the same way you need a business license or permit. So that was government, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Jeremiah 17, verse 4. And thou, even thyself, shalt discontinue from thy inheritance that I gave thee. And I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not. For ye have kindled a fire in mine anger, which shall burn forever. So we went into captivity. We lost our identity because why? Because we made God angry by following other gods, by eating unlawful foods and celebrating unlawful days. So because of that, and us being God's chosen people, to whom much is given, much is required, brothers and sisters. But we wanted to show you that it was prophesied that we would lose our identity. We would be supernaturally blinded to who we are. We would think we're, uh, we, you know, we would think we're black. We would think we're Mexican. We would think we're Costa Ricans. We would think, you know, that we're Puerto Ricans and not who the Bible says who are the children of Israel, brothers and sisters. 
we're going to go to Hosea 6 because the Bible prophesied that we would lose our identity. It also prophesies an awakening. And you're going to find out today that we're in the time of the awakening right now. We're going to Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. Hosea 6, verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord. Return to the Most High. That means we can go back. Even though we sin, we can go back to our Father and make things right. Verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord. For He hath torn, and He will heal us. He hath smitten, and He will bind us up. Right, because He hath torn us. So a lot of our people want to blame the white man, the white man, the white man, the white man. When the Most High said, I tore you. So while we're looking at the white man, it wasn't the white man's power. We have to stop looking at the white man as if he done something to us. When we did it to ourselves, yeah, they've oppressed us. But when you become the victim, you give them too much credit. You make them seem as if they're all powerful and all great by pointing to them. We don't need to point to them, brothers and sisters. The Most High put us in this situation. It, it, it turns my stomach when I see our brothers out on the corners saying the white man is the devil. The white man did this. The white man did that. The white man must be very important in your understanding, your doctrine, because that's all you talk about. We don't, we don't come from the aspect of being a victim, brothers and sisters. We victimize ourselves. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. Read that again. After two days will he revive us. And the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. After two days he would revive us. Two days is 2,000 years in the Bible, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove it to you. In 2000s, where we're at now, we would be awakened. There would be a spiritual awakening where the Spirit of the Most High would be poured out on, you know, mass numbers. So, let's let's read that one more time, brother, before we go. Verse 2. After two days will he revive us. That's 2,000 years. How do we prove that? Go to Second Peter 3 and 8 to show you that two days is talking about 2,000 years. The Bible prophesied that we would be awakened. The Bible prophesied that we would be awakened in 2,000 years, brothers and sisters. We're going to Second Peter 3, verse 8. Second Peter 3, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Read that again. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. See, so when it speaks on two days, it's talking about two thousand years, brothers and sisters. One, one, a thousand years is like one day in the eye of the Lord. Why? Because he's seen the present. He's seen the future. Everything that's going on now have already happened in the eyes of the Lord. We're just going through the motions, brothers and sisters. He prophesied that in two days or 2,000 years, in this time that we're in right now, he would give us an awakening to the knowledge of who we are. And we have awakened on a, on a mass level, brothers and sisters. And the world is ill-prepared to deal with this. Can you read that scripture one more time? Verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. In a thousand years is one day. Right. So it was prophesied that we would become spiritually independent. Because why? We wouldn't have to look to anybody else for our purpose. We wouldn't have to look to anybody else for who we are, for who our God is. So it was prophesied that we would become spiritually independent, where the Most High would free our minds 
in order to come back to the understanding of who we are and what our responsibility is in this earth, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. We're going to go to chapter 7, verse 14. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name. My people. Who is my people? The children of Israel. We're God's chosen people, brothers and sisters. Now, are we saying he doesn't love other people? No, we're not saying that. But what we're saying is he chose one. And that was you. And that's why in our communities, we're struggling. That's, this is exactly why you're being picked on. This is why you're being demonized and criminalized. Because you're God's chosen. And with that come envy. People become envious. Brothers and sisters, can you read that again? Verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. So humble yourself. So we need to humble ourselves, brothers and sisters. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. See, so we must turn from our wicked ways. First, the Most High says, number one, humble yourself. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face. And number four, turn from your wicked ways. These are the ways to come back in order to get our rulership back, brothers and sisters, to be back on top. How, you know, how it was meant to be the same way that you have somebody on top right now. And we're not complaining about that. The Bible don't teach equality. There's never been a time of equality, brothers and sisters. During the Grecian Empire, the Greeks were ruling. During the Babylonian Empire, those from Iraq were ruling. So there's never been equality. That don't exist, brothers and sisters. Equality don't exist. Not in the Bible either. We're going to be at the top. But first, we must come back to him. So if we do those, those things, the Mosiah said he'll do three things. Number one, he'll hear from heaven. Number two, he will forgive our sins and he will heal our land, heal our body. We don't have our land right now. We had our land taken from us because we broke his laws, brothers and sisters. So our people have a land of their own without government imposition. And we want to, we, you know, that's what we want to get back to. That's what we want to get back to, brothers and sisters. We're going to Romans chapter 10 and 13. Because what we just read, that's the gospel. That's what you're supposed to go to the children of Israel and teach. That if we seek the Most High and humble ourselves, that he will heal us. We're going to Romans chapter 10. Verse 13 through 14. That last scripture we read is the gospel. The gospel is not music, brothers and sisters. The gospel means good news. That's the good news, that the children of Israel are back. And we're never going back to how we were. We'll never forget again who we were, brothers and sisters, ever. Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right. See, so brothers and sisters, how can we know who we are? How can we know who our God is? How can we know our purpose unless somebody teach us, brothers and sisters? Can you continue? Verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good news. Right, see, so the Most High have sent people. Somebody was sent to me, and we're sent. And so all of you, to come and bring the true gospel, brothers and sisters, to bring the true gospel, somebody have to do it. Because if nobody teach, then how we get the information? Somebody taught me. I teach my brothers and sisters. You all teach who you can teach. This is what we must do, brothers and sisters. Go to them and teach what we just read in Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. 
that if we humble ourselves, seek the most high space and ask for forgiveness, we'll be healed. We'll be elevated back to our natural position, brothers and sisters. Can you read? Can you jump back up and read 13 and 14 again, brother? Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right. So Paul, brothers and sisters, encourages us to speak, you know, encourages us, you know, to speak specifically to the children of Israel. Because why? How can our people believe? How can they know who they are if somebody don't tell them? Brothers and sisters, and this world is not going to tell you because why they benefit financially through your through your ignorance. They benefit from you financially. In fact, you know, brothers and I, church brothers, we were going to go out to a dinner and um, the idea, the idea came up, you know, let's go to a Greek place. And a lot of some of the people wanted to go. Some of the people didn't want to go. And the reason that the brothers who didn't want to go said they did not want to go is because they didn't want to um, support financially uh, somebody who was an enemy. That's like saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the Babylonian buffet. It's not going to happen. And see, this is what would happen when we would wake up. Now we would understand our importance and we would know a purpose on where to spend our money and where not. We're not just consumers anymore. Now we have understanding of who we're going to spend our money with. And see, this is what would happen through you understanding who you are. Now you're not going to certain places. You're not eating certain foods. You're not celebrating certain days. And that was the problem, that now you would wake up and pull yourself out of, you know, out of the line. So they knew this, brothers and sisters. That's why Paul encourages us to go to our people first and tell them who they are. Tell them you're chosen. Tell them who they are, brothers and sisters. Tell them why they're struggling. Tell them what they can do to correct the, you know, the circumstance for our people. Our people are struggling all over the earth, not just in America, brothers and sisters. Our people are living poor. Our people are being demonized and criminalized. As if we're the only people who break laws, brothers and sisters. And we need to go to our people and tell them the reason for the, the fallacy that's going on, brothers and sisters. We're going to Jeremiah 16 and 16 in the Old Testament. The Tanakh. So Paul encouraged us to go specifically to the children of Israel. How can they know unless they heard? How can they hear unless somebody teach them? And that's your position, brothers and sisters. Your position is no longer a servant. It's no longer a slave. You now are the teachers. That's who you are. Jeremiah 16, verse 16. Behold, I will send for many fishers, said the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and from every hill. And out of the holes of the rock. Right. So the so he would the most high would send fishers. What are you fishing for? What are we fishing for? We're fishing for the souls of men. That's what we're fishing for, brothers and sisters. To try to go get our people, put the bait on there, pull them over to the truth, out of the paganism, out of the evil, out of the satanic society that we found ourselves in, brothers and sisters. Uh, read that one more time, brother, please. Jeremiah sixteen and sixteen. Behold. I will send for many fishes, said the Lord, and they shall fish them. So first, right now, we're in the time of fishing. But what happens after that? After, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them See? from every mountain. So when Christ come back, it'll be hunting time, brothers and sisters, to take down those who oppose the Most High. He's going to use us. 
when Christ come back, we're going to have to get this earth, this earth in order under one global immunization, brothers and sisters. That's going to be our job. Right now, we're fishing. Right now, we're trying to bring people to the wedding. We're trying to get people into the kingdom. But when Christ come back, it's going to be hunting time, brothers and sisters. Righteously, righteously hunting, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, Brother Corey? Verse 16. Behold, I will send for many fishers, said the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain, and up from every hill, and out of holes of the rock. Right. So there's going to be people hiding in the mountains. There's going to be people hiding in the hills. There's going to be people with underground caverns. And the children of Israel are going to have to go pull them people out to be judged by the Most High God. This is what's coming, brothers and sisters. When Christ comes, it's not going to be, he's not going to be running, you know, through the meadows with a tulip in his teeth. That's, that's not happening. Christ is coming back for war, brothers and sisters. And we're going to be a part of his army if you follow his law, statutes, and commandments, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Matthew 4 and 18 because he said he would send for many fishers. What fishers are he, is he speaking about? We're going, to, we're going to use Matthew chapter 4 to give you more insight and edification on what is he talking about when he said fishers. Matthew 4 and 18. And Christ, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Read that again. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, brothers and sisters. That's your responsibility. Your responsibility is to bring fruit back to the Most High. To go and share what you know and try to help, you know, instruct somebody. Or give them direction on how to get into the kingdom, brothers and sisters. That's not just my responsibility. That's your responsibility. That's your purpose. Is to go to Israel. Become fishers of men. Now, a great fisher have to know the difference in bait, right? You can't use all bait for all people. So any great leader understands that some people, some brothers, you can kick them in the behind. You let them know what they're doing wrong. Some brothers, you got to pull them close. So you can't deal with each and every person on the same way. You must understand the difference in, uh, you know, in, uh, the difference in people's thought process, the things that they react to. What is their, um, you know, what's their personality? A great fisher know that sometimes he need a, a, a low sinking weight that goes straight to the bottom because some fish are harder to be, you know, harder to be caught. Some people know, okay, no, you need this kind of bait. You need living bait. So there's different types of bait. And as you continue to walk and become fishermen, you become skilled at that fishing, brothers and sisters. Can you read uh, verse 18 again, brother? Matthew 4 and 18. And Christ, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice the first thing he said was, Follow me. Drop what you're doing and follow me. And see, that's what you have to do. If you're going to become a fisherman, you must drop everything that you're doing right then and there and work for him. The same way these brothers did. You can't say, well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to come back. I got to just get this thing done real quick. You know, and in six months, I'm, I'm going to come back and I, I'm going to handle it. No, you must drop it now. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. 
And they straightway left their nets and followed him. See, so first he said, follow me. Then what? He promised to make them fishers of men's souls. So what is this saying? You must relinquish your cares of the world. The things that you want to do in this earth, if you want to work for Christ, you got to relinquish that. It's not to say you can't have fun and enjoy yourself. You can do that. But within the parameters of doing something for the most high, that's the deal, brothers and sisters. Notice, he told these brothers, drop your nets and I'll make you fishers of men. And they did it right away. They dropped it. And that's how it hits you. It's like a bulldozer. When you first get that truth, it's like you can't even walk. You can't even stand up. The only thing you're thinking about is this truth. What do you do with that truth? You share it to those who you love, brothers and sisters. Now, it's important to notice, you know, it's important to note that when Christ called these men, they were not at that time what he wanted them to become. He promised to make them fishers of men. So when Christ first comes to you, that's just the beginning. He's chosen you. Now you have to learn the proper etiquette. Now you must be molded and shaped. You're, the way the Christ found us when you first caught that truth is not the way that you're going to be when you do the work. Can you read that again from the top, brother? Matthew 4 and 18. And Christ, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. See, follow me and I will make you. That's future tense, brothers and sisters, fishers of men. The important principle at work here is that whom Christ hath called, he enables and empowers to perform the task which they've been assigned, brothers and sisters. He will give you the If he called you, he's going to give you the power. But understand, you don't get the power right away. You have to be shaped and molded into what he wants to represent him, brothers and sisters. And that's the phase that we're in right now. We're molding and shaping ourselves. What do I need to pick up? What do I need to put down? Because I'll tell you this. When you start trying to share truth with people, they're going to start poking at the things you're doing wrong. That's the next thing that happens. Well, you, you was doing this the other day. Oh, you, you were celebrating Christmas. You, you was doing it. This is what happens, brothers and sisters. Once you try to share truth that somebody have never heard or maybe not agree with, maybe not be, you know, maybe not fond of the idea, they'll start to look at you because they can't poke holes in the truth. They'll start to poke holes in you. That's what they're going to look to do. They're going to look to look at all your imperfections and then magnify those imperfections and say, well, how can you teach truth when you're doing this and that and this and that? So you got to be prepared, brothers and sisters, to get yourself in order because any uh, Anything you have in the dark, it will be brought to light when you start to share this truth, brothers and sisters. You will be attacked on a personal level because it's personal to these people, brothers and sisters. Um, can you read 18 to 19 one more time, brother, before we move on? Verse 18. And Christ, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They did what? They straightway left their nets and followed him. They did what? Left their nets and followed they him. They straightway. That means right away. They didn't say, oh, I need to get this done. Well, no, no, no. I really need to just finish my college because I can't do this right now because I done took loans out. Most time, I'm not trying to hear none of that. You can keep that to yourself. You got to drop it now or don't do the work. Sit on the sideline. That's okay. If you're not willing to work. 
we got brothers and sisters that are willing to work. You just stand on the sideline. But if you're willing to do it, you must put it all down. Relinquish your cares, brothers and sisters. This is talking about evangelism. That's what this is talking about. Sharing what you know, trying to bring people into a gathering, into the, t- the to the teaching, into the podcast. This is evangelism, brothers and sisters. The work of fishing men. The work of rescuing people from the, you know, from the breakers of hell. That's the greatest, you know, attribute that a church, our people, could possibly do is to rescue those who are heading for fire and brimstone. Evangelism is the purest and truest and most essential work that a church could ever do, brothers and sisters. Evangelism. Teaching people what you know. Sharing it, even if it's just in converse, casual conversation. Just drop one thing on them that they make and learn. You don't got to hit them with a whole Bible lesson. Drop one thing on them and just bait them. Drop one thing and bait them. And then pull it, and then pull it, and then pull it all away. This is what all of our obligation is, brothers and sisters. This is your purpose to evangelize. We're going to Matthew 16 and 25, brothers and sisters. This is... Us getting kingdom ready. This is the birth of a nation. These are the things that must be instituted and understand it in order for us to be raised and elevated to that level of rulership. Matthew 16 and 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his, his, his life for my sake shall find it. See, so the Bible is clear that we must be committed to evangelism and spreading the truth. If you try to save your life, but oh, well, I just need to do this and do that, you're going to lose it. You have to give it all up for Christ. Because while you're trying to do that, you're going to lose the one life you have. So Christ knew that people would be perplexed. They would say, I, I want to do the work, but I, I want to do this too. Can you read that again? Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his, his life for my sake Shall find it. See, so if you lose what you want to do in life for Christ's sake, you'll actually find out what true life is because you don't have no idea. You've been cheated. This isn't life, brothers and sisters. This is servitude. This is slavery. You go work for 10, 12 hours. You make enough to pay your bills and then you work some more. That's it. That's a servant. That's a slave, brothers and sisters. We all servants. We all slaves right now. You have to give up your life, those things that you want to do. For the sake of the work, because somebody did it for you. You must labor in the vineyard, brothers and sisters. That take time. That take effort. That take blood, sweat, and tears. And it's not it's not for everybody, brothers and sisters. But if it's for you, you have to answer the call. Answer that phone call from Christ, brothers and sisters. And be committed. Give up what you think fun is for this. For this sake. And then have life for eternity. Have rulership for eternity. That's what this is saying. Can you read that one more time, Brother Corey? Matthew 16 and 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his his life for my sake shall find it. Brothers and sisters, it's a great blessing to be a vessel that the Lord may use to help lead a lost soul back into his fold. That's a blessing, brothers and sisters. You should want to be an instrument for the Most High God. Losing, you know, you, you will have to... Lose your personal life to some degree. I had a brother ask me, "What do you do for fun?" I'm like, "Brother, I, I just read, brother. That's all I do." And it may not sound fun to you, but it's fun to me. I love to learn, brother. I don't go out to the club. I don't go to the bar. I, I don't go anywhere. 
My life is this work because my people need me. My people need you. Our people need this, brothers and sisters. Give that that foolishness up, brothers and sisters, for something that will last eternity, where there's no rust. A, a greater kingdom, brothers and sisters. You have to lose your personal life and what you think you want to do, the plan you have for your life. That's done if you're going to do this work. You have to give it up, brothers and sisters. And if you can't, that's fine too. But don't don't jump in and jump out. Either do it or don't do it, brothers and sisters. Either go all the way or don't do it at all. That's the only way it can work, brothers and sisters. We're going to Proverbs in the Old Testament. We're going to read chapter 11, verse 30. This is wisdom scriptures. <clears throat> Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Read that part again. And he that winneth souls is wise. See, so he who winneth souls of your brethren, of your sisters, even Gentiles, you're, you're a wise person. The truly righteous person, the person who really lives with understanding, the person who doesn't, you know, doesn't just know about the law, but also lives it out, is the one who wins the souls, brothers and sisters. You can't fake it. You actually have to become this truth. You must become the word. You must become Christ, brothers and sisters. Because people will be able to sniff out when there's uh, some... They'll be able to sniff out when you're being disingenuous, brothers and sisters. A lot of people, they're going to follow not what you're saying, but what you're doing. You have to lead by example. A boss is... Somebody who tell you what to do. A leader is somebody who does it first. To show you the way. There's a difference, brothers and sisters. We're leaders. We're not bosses. We're not bosses. We're leaders. We want to show the world how to follow the Most High. How to please Him. That's your job, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Proverbs 11 and 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. See, the fruit of the righteous. What's fruit? When you sow a seed into the ground, right? What's that seed telling somebody about Christ? You water that seed and what comes up? Fruit. That's people coming back to the Most High. That's your tree to life. That's, that's, that's your tree to life. That's your healing, brothers and sisters. It's spreading the word. Some of us get the truth and we're a little shy, nomadic, right? And we don't really want to share too much because we don't want to be viewed as the, uh, you know, th that guy. That guy, that Christian guy who's just a normal guy, right? Who nothing about him stands out. A lot of our people, especially men, won't come to the truth for the sake of not wanting to lose their individuality. They believe that when they come into the truth, they're just another guy. And that's not the truth. We have brothers that's in the truth who are still their, indiv their individual selves, their own personalities. You don't, you know, fall into being a mannequin when you, when you start following the Bible. That's A lot of our people think they disappear like Tetris. You know, when you fit the, you know... That's what our people believe when that's not it. In fact, if you follow the Bible, you stand out because nobody's following the Bible, not even the Christians. The people who claim to be following the Bible aren't following it. So when you start to follow it, that's when you stand out like a sore thumb, brothers and sisters. If you want to be different, this is your way to be different and righteous, righteous and different, brothers and sisters. We're going to Ezekiel chapter 36. We're going to start at verse uh, 22 through 28. This is a prophecy from Ezekiel, brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 36 and 22. 
Therefore say unto the house of Israel. Unto who? The house of Israel. Unto who? The house of Israel. If you're a child of Israel, open your ears. This is for you. Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. What's a heathen? Heathen are people who don't follow the law, brothers and sisters. If you don't follow the law of the Bible, you're a heathen, according to the Bible. Because why? Heathens do what they want to do. They don't follow law. They eat whatever they want. They have intercourse with whoever they want. They celebrate whatever they want. They're heathens, according to the Bible. Verse 23. And I will sacrifice my great name, which was profaned among the heathen. Yes. We Read that one more time, brother. And I will, sac- and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, said the Lord God. When I shall sanctify in you before their eyes. Right. See, so the other nations will know God is real when you rise up because they know what type of circumstance you're in. When you arise to your natural position of being a governor of the earth, they will know that God is real. Because look at these people. These are slaves. How do they know about the Bible? They're a slave. Right. Go pick some cotton. Go pick some strawberries. See, when those people who they know are uneducated come with the knowledge of history, of who God is, of who you are, they will realize that that was spiritual intervention. Continue, brother. Verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and will bring you into your own land. See, so when Christ come back, he's going to gather us and put us back in Israel. The Bible tell you in the whole world, know that whoever live in Israel rule the world. Why do you think you have, quote unquote, Jewish people, white people and Palestinians fighting over the land? Because anybody who knows history knows that whoever ruled that land, inhabit that land, rule the earth. That's our land. And Christ is going to give it back to us. We're the only people without a land, without a government, without an army. We don't have anything. That's ours. Christ is going to deliver it back, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. So we will be cleansed, brothers and sisters. We're going through that cleansing process right now. We're being purified because why? All Israelites, all Mexicans, all black people, all Costa Ricans are not going to believe the Bible. Even though we're the children of Israel, everybody not going to believe. So this is the cleansing process. Those who don't want to change will be cleansed out. The rest of us will rule forever. Verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. See, so the Most High will put a new spirit in us to want to follow him, to want to please him, to want to be righteous. That's that spirit you get. When you first have that understanding of who you are, make a decision that changes, you know, on the horizon. That's that spirit where it changes your whole, you know, your whole thought process. It it changes the whole trajectory of your life, of what you thought you were, what you wanted to do. It changes everything. Continue, brother. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. See, that land was promised to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are our forefathers. This land was promised to Abraham. Remember, Abraham, the Most High told him to sacrifice his son. And he was going to follow it. 
until the Most High pulled him back, had an angel say, oh, that's enough. That's enough. So because of that, there was a promise to Abraham that go to his children. We are his children, brothers and sisters. So this is a prophecy of the rebirth of Israel, brothers and sisters. Israel's spiritual awakening to the nations. The Most High announced through the prophet Ezekiel that Israel would be restored to her land with overabundance of blessings, brothers and sisters. That's what this is talking about. Go to uh, Ezekiel 37, brother. Ezekiel 37 and 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Right. Now, this is a vision, brothers and sisters, where uh, Ezekiel was shown a vision of a valley of dried up bones of the dead, brothers and sisters. And the Lord will supernaturally bring, bring flesh and life back upon these bones. We are those bones, brothers and sisters. We are walking zombies right now. We have no spiritual connection. We have no spiritual power. We're dead. Continue, brother. Verse 2. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold... There were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Can these bones live? Look at these people, they're spiritually dead. Can they rise? Can they live again? Verse 4, Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. O ye dry bones. We are the dry bones, brothers and sisters. We are spiritually dead. With no ideology, no understanding, no concepts, no purpose. O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Right, see? The Most High would put His Spirit, His breath into us, and we would live again. That Spirit is... Us learning to follow um, his law, statutes, and commandments. All of them. No matter what it is. One by one, we find out what we're breaking and we change it. Over a a period of time, brothers and sisters. He would put that spirit back in you. For you to find out who you are. Verse 6. And I will lay sinews upon you. Muscles. And I will bring up flesh upon you. And cover you with skin. And put breath in you. And ye shall live. Ye shall know that I am the Lord. Right. Now, this is a description, brothers and sisters, of the hopeless, the hopeless condition of Israel. You know, as of today, our nation is in a is a our nation. Israel is in a natural and spiritual crisis right now. We are going in 20 different directions and don't even understand we're about to be destroyed. So in order for us to avoid disaster, the most high must step in. He said he would blow the breath of life back into these bones. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together. Read that again. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together. Bone to his bone. So then we, the bones started coming together. We started to realize, our people started to tell us, we're the children of Israel. We got to come back to his laws. We got to come back to his statutes and commandments. We have to ask for forgiveness. That Our people are ringing the alarm. That's what you're doing. Verse 8. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, 
prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. See? So right now, we're dead. Right now, we're spiritually dead. Dead to the knowledge of yourself. Dead to the knowledge of who your people are. Dead to the knowledge of who your God is. You're dead. Spiritually. He's saying he's going to pull us back together. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they lived. And stood up upon their feet. An exceeding great army. Then he said unto me. Son of man. These bones are the whole house of Israel. Read that again. Son of man. These bones are the whole house of Israel. These bones are the house of Israel. Brothers and sisters. This is in reference to us. This is the prophecy of the future regathering of Israel. Ezekiel. Uh. Prophesized the political and spiritual revival of our people, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dry and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Right. The reviving of the dry bones signifies God's plan for Israel's future uh, national Restoration, brothers and sisters. The vision also, and most importantly, showed that Israel's new life is dependent on God's power and not the circumstances of his people. Verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people. And brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I am the Lord, that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. Right. So, brothers and sisters, this, this vision symbolized the whole house of Israel that was then in captivity. Like unburied skeletons, the people were in a state of living death, brothers and sisters. We were like walking zombies. The Most High is waking us up, brothers and sisters. The Most High is waking us up. It's evident. Look at us. Look at us today, brothers and sisters. The Most High is waking you up to your true origin, your true nationality. The whole world is trying to hide this from you because they know you have a huge responsibility and they don't want you in charge. <laughs> You're a good slave. Just do what I tell you to do. You float up in heaven. That's all you need to do. Don't think. Don't read. Negroes, don't read. Mexicans, don't read now. You may read in the Bible and find out yourself is in there. Don't read. This is this was the plan the whole time, brothers and sisters. This vision is speaking of a mass awakening of the children of Israel, a mighty outpouring of the Spirit, resulting in large numbers of conversions back into who we are. This isn't a religion, brothers and sisters. This is a culture. This is historical literature. We're dealing with the Bible as a historical book. You can go into this book and f the book talks about Julius Caesar. It talks about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. That's history. That's not religion, brothers and sisters. You can go into Roman canon and find those brothers. So this is a historical book that we use, brothers and sisters. We're going to Jeremiah 23 and 3. It was prophesied that our people would wake up. How do we wake up? By becoming fishers of men. We have to go wake our people up, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah 23, verse 23. 
of, excuse me, 23 verse 3. Jeremiah 23 verse 3. And I will gather the remnant of my flock. See, he will gather the remnant because all of us are not going to make it, brothers and sisters. There will be a remnant of Israel that will make it. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. Right. So, it, you know, Jeremiah emphatically declares that the Most High God will gather Israel after being scattered all over the earth through dispersions. Verse four. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking. So the Most High during this time, he's going to set up teachers after his heart. Because right now, they're not teaching after his heart. Because how long we've been in Christian church and they ain't never told us who we was. So they're not, they're ministers of Satan, brothers and sisters. Just because they're using a book don't mean they believe it. Because we have spent countless hours, years on upon years, sitting in these churches for them not even to tell us that we're the people they're talking about in the book. So the Most High said, I will set up righteous shepherds to protect us. Verse 5. Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will raise up David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. When it says David a righteous branch, this is talking about Christ, who was a son of David. Christ's great-great-great-great-grandfather was David, brothers and sisters. So these scriptures are saying that the Most High will bring Israel back into the promised land and appoint the Messiah, the Hamashiach, to rule over us, brothers and sisters. Now, before we are returning to our land and our glorious positions as governors, we must become a righteous nation. That's first. Before we give you the power, you must know how to function in unison as a nation of people. You can't begin to build a nation until we realize we are a nation. So this, those scriptures we just went into lets us know we're a nation of people. We never knew that. We just thought we're black and they're Costa Rican and they're Mexican. We never realized we were actually a nation of people. A nationality, brothers and sisters, with a national origin. So now that we have that down, what do we need to know now? We're going to Genesis 12 and 2. The promise that was made to our father, Abraham. There was a promise made to our father, Abraham, that will trickle down to each and every one of you. And that's to rule, to governor. You will be the lawmakers. You will be the owners of all the resources. When somebody, one of the other nations need a loan, they'll come to you. When they need resources, they'll come to you. You will be the, you will be the sellers. You will be the merchants. You will be the governors. All of it will belong to you. But you must first understand how to operate as a nation of people and stop fighting amongst each other. We're going to show you, brothers and sisters. Go to Genesis 12 and 3, uh, 12 and 2. Genesis 12, verse 2. Actually, let's start at verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, Unto a land that I will show thee. So he told Abraham, pick up and go. I'm going to send you to a land where I want you to inhabit. Verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. Read that again. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. See, so he told our forefather he would make us a great nation. This was part of the blessings. Read that one more time, brother. Verse Verse, verse 2. 
and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in the land and and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. See, so brothers and sisters, those who bless our people will be blessed. Those who curse us will be cursed. When our people was in um, Egypt, it was a great place. It, it was uh, top when it came to technology. When we left, it was smoked. It's a desert now. When we leave America, it's going to be utterly wasted. It's only being held up because we're here. God's chosen people are here, brothers and sisters. So when God began to work, you know, his work with Abraham, he revealed his overall intent and purpose. And that was to make our forefather a great nation with blessings upon blessings upon blessings. So the God of the universe was initiating a process of nation building that was, you know, to have global implications and lasting significance. This was a promise to our forefather that God would make us a great nation, give us our own land and bless us. Beyond measure, we're going to Deuteronomy 4 and 1 because the first step of becoming a nation is you must have fundamental directives. All nations, when you go in over into Iran, they have certain directives and certain rules and laws. When you go into China, they have certain directives, rules and laws, brothers and sisters. We all must implement that. We're going to show you. The first step is establishing fundamental directives. We're going to read verse 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 4, verse 1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel. Who? O Israel. Who? O Israel. This whole Bible is about the children of Israel, brothers and sisters. This is your book. It's not about anybody else but you. Now therefore hearken, O Israel. That means listen. Unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. For to do them that you may live and go in and possess the land. Which the Lord God of your fathers gives you. See, in order for us to get our own land, we got to follow the law, brothers and sisters. Just imagine having your own land when you don't have to go to work in the morning. You don't need to pay no bills. It's your land. Everybody else have that but us, brothers and sisters. We should be able to sit back as rulers, as kings, and attend to our sheep, attend to our flock, attend to our, you know, our produce, and not have to work for anybody. That's because we don't have our own land. Once we have our own land, all of that stops. All of that stops, brothers and sisters. Verse 2. You shall not add unto the word which I command you. Right. So right now, Moses told the children of Israel that God intended to make us a model nation and an example that other nations could follow. So he implemented these laws. He said it in verse 1. These are the laws, statutes, and commandments you must implement. So now we have a foundation. Just like in America, you have a constitution. This founded on a set of rights or laws. The same way we must have a law within ourselves, brothers and sisters. Verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish out from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Jump to verse 5, brother. Verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nation. See, if you keep these laws, this is your wisdom. This is how the other nations look up to you and honor you as superior. It's through following these laws, brothers and sisters. These laws are part of the structure that God designed to make his nation, our nation, to stand out as a light and an example to the rest of the world, brothers and sisters. 
That's what this, these laws are for. Verse 6. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. Which ye shall hear all these statutes and say. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them? So people would say, other nations would say. What nation is so great where God is so close to them, brothers and sisters? We're God's chosen people. So they would look at us as we start to implement these laws and say, these must be a righteous people. Look at the law, the, the self-governing laws, not government laws, self-governing laws that these people follow. Something, something is up with these people. Verse 7, for what nation is there so great who have God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgment so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? See, so these are the fundamental directives, brothers and sisters. As us becoming a nation, these must be implemented because this is the only thing we can come together under. I can't allow a brother to come into my home and he's a thief. He's a murderer. So the only way we can get together is to come together under the law so I know I can trust you. You know you can trust me because why? We follow the same laws. We're not going to steal from each other, right? We're not going to call each other disrespectful names. We're not going to bring disrespectful food into your home. See, this is how we come together, brothers and sisters. Because I'll tell you this, you get a bunch of Mexicans and black people and Costa Ricans and Puerto Ricans in a room and ask them, what's your ideology of God? You'll hear nothing but babbling, brothers and sisters. Everybody have their own opinion. We can't come together under everybody's own opinion. We can only come together under Christ's opinion, the Bible. This is how we come together, brothers and sisters. We can't come together because you're black or because you're, you're Hispanic. We're not coming together with you for that. We're coming together with you because you follow the Most High the same way we do. Therefore, we empower each other and put a magnifying glass on Satan and his world powers. Uh, what scripture did you leave off on, brother? I just finished 8. Okay, can you read verse 8 again? Verse 8. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgment so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Right, there's nothing in the Bible that's wrong. It tell you not to kill. It tell you to honor your mother and father. It tell you not to steal. What's wrong with these laws? It tell you to forgive. What's wrong with these laws? There's nothing wrong with these laws. It's just that people don't want to change. That's what it is. So people will come up with all these different, you know, you from it, they'll come up with all these different excuses so they don't have to change. As if God is going to change for you. It's not going to happen. You must change. Each and every one of us, including myself, must change in order to be ready for, king, for, ready for the kingdom. Kingdom ready. Each and every one of us, brothers and sisters, we're going to exit this 18 and 21. Because now that we have the, the directives, the foundation, the law. That we implement. What if the Most High came to you and said, listen, I'll let your people rule starting tomorrow, but you must implement my laws. That means no eating scavengers, no celebrating holidays, right? No spending money on Saturday. What if he said that? Could we do that? Could we do that? Could we rule the world if we just implemented his laws? Why not? White people have implemented their laws where they tax you. Red light, green light, yellow light, insurance. You need to have insurance. You need to have a license. So you'll follow all their laws. <laughs> But then you won't follow the Most High's laws. That's a problem, brothers and sisters. That's a problem. Uh, read verse 21, brother, please. Exodus 18, verse 21. So now that we have the directive, what's next? Now you need a government. Our people, our nation of people, now that we have the direction, we need government. 
How do we how do we do that? Verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. See, so the second and vital step in the Most High's process of nation building was selection and training of leaders to provide good government. These are the men that the Most High is going to choose. Read that again, brother. Verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to bear to be rulers over thousands and rulers of hundreds. Rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. See, so brothers and sisters, now we we need a government. So the Most High would choose those who have the character qualities of a righteous man, of a righteous judge. This is why the Bible clearly lists the qualities of character that God looks for in those He has chosen for positions of leadership. This is the government now. We have to have our own government. When you go to Iran, they got their own government. You go over in the Greek, uh, you know, the Greek islands, they got their own government. You go into America, they have their own government. We, if we're going to become a nation, must have our own government. These are the men that the Most High choose. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God. So you must fear the Most High. That means keep his commandments. That's number one. If you're not keeping the commandments, you're not leading nothing. Straight off. Whoever it is, you're not leading nothing. If you don't follow, at least follow the commandments. Men of truth. Men of truth. We must be men of truth, brothers and sisters. Not liars. Hating covetousness. Covetousness means somebody who covet everything they see. A brother got new shoes. You're like, oh, I need them shoes. No, no, not my own shoes. I need his shoes. Oh, no, no I need that car. You see that car he had? You see that girl he had? I need that girl. Not one that looked like her. I need that girl. <laughs> this is covetousness, brothers and sisters. And place such over them. To be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Uh, continue, brother. And let them judge the people at all seasons. See, so we would have to set up governors. This is what the Most High is purifying us for. To set up righteous men who will rule righteously. Who are not smug, who are not arrogant, who are not loud and proud and prideful. You're not going to be a good leader. The Most High is not going to choose you to lead. He chose Moses because he was humble. Humility was on a thousand, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 22. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. See, so brothers and sisters, this is the government. We have to implement a government within ourselves. Therefore, when we get the land... We've already rehearsed the righteous acts. That's what we're doing. We're rehearsing the righteous acts now. So when the liberation comes, we're ready. We go right. Give me my crown. Thank you. I'm ready. Close all the stores on the side. Right into it, brothers and sisters. We must learn it first. We must learn the culture. We must learn the precepts. We must learn the syllabus, brothers and sisters, in order to get that rulership. The Most High not going to just give you something to rule and you don't know how to rule it. You must learn how to rule first, brothers and sisters. All of us, each and every one of us. And the only way we can learn how to rule is through the book, the Bible, brothers and sisters. We're going to Acts chapter 6, verse 3. We're talking about government. We must have directive, which is a law. Now we must have a government to enforce that law. 
Acts 6 and 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Now, these are the quality, character qualities of men who are going to lead. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Right. See, so these brothers, brothers and sisters, would have to have good reputation known for their wisdom and their fruits of the Holy Spirit, which is visible in their lives. These are the men who the Most High are going to choose, brothers and sisters. You must have good reputation and be known for wisdom, not known for getting hot, not known for getting all the girls, not known for having 100 pairs of sneakers. No, we don't choose those kind of people as leaders. We choose men of God. Men of truth, men of wisdom, men of forgiveness, men of humility. This is who the Most High is looking for, brothers and sisters. It's you. It's each and every one of you as long as you change. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 3. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. And to the ministry of the word. In, in ancient times, brothers and sisters, when we lived in Israel, leaders were to make a personal copy of the law of God and to study it daily so that their nation would prosper. If you was a leader, you had to have your own copy of the law and you must study it each and every day. And if you can't do that, then that's all right. The most I will find some other brothers who will. That's fine. It's not for everybody. But if you want to take it serious, that means you got to read your Bible every day. Even if you just read one chapter. You read one chapter a day, you did that for God. When you did every all, everything else you did out there in the world, you can take five minutes and read one scripture, uh, excuse me, one chapter. Each and every one of us, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Deuteronomy 1 and 15. Deuteronomy 1, verse 15. So I took the chiefs of your tribes, wise men, and known, and made them heads over you, captains over thousands. And captains over hundreds, and captains over fifties, and captains over tens, and officers among your tribes. It's interesting to note, brothers and sisters, that in God's process of nation building, leaders were appointed based on their abilities, their character, and their willingness to follow God's law. It wasn't a popularity contest, brothers and sisters. The Most High chose those who he knew he could trust to do exactly what he said without, uh, you know, without going off the mark at all. If you, if you know, that's what we should aspire to be in order to be put in that position, brothers and sisters. We must follow what he says, all of his instructions at all times and not make up an excuse to break it at all. Because if you're going to break it, you can break it, but you can't be in the leadership position. Because if you do, you'll be leading people to break the law like you. So right now, we're getting the house together, brothers and sisters. We're perfecting ourselves. So when that time comes for us to assume the position of a nation, we'll be locked and loaded. We're going to Titus chapter 1 verse 5 in the New Testament. This is building a nation, brothers and sisters. This is the birth of a nation. This is what must be implemented in order for us to be viewed as a nation. Titus 1 verse 5. 5. <clears throat> for this cause left I thee in Crete. That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wait, that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, 
As I had appointed thee. So there would be elders. There would be those who have a relationship with God that can give brothers guidance and counsel through giving, you know, through understanding biblical instruction. We would need to set elders, what the Bible calls elders, learned men of the Bible in our certain cities of our area when we lived in our country. This was government. Because each, you know, each city had to have men of God there that youth could turn to for counsel and guidance. Verse 6. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. See, so these are the qualities or character traits of the future leaders, brothers and sisters. Would it read verse 6 again? Verse 6. If any be blameless. So you must be blameless. That means nobody have a bad word to say in your name when you come up. The husband of one wife. That means you can't have four and five girlfriends, 10, 12 baby moms. You're not a leader. You're going to follow in line and do what you're told. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be the husband of one wife. You can't have 12 girlfriends, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 6. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children. So if you do have children, that means you must teach them to follow the Most High God. Not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. Not soon angry. That means not short-tempered. You can't be short-tempered and be a leader for the Most High. Not given to wine. That means you can't be a wine bibber. If you can't control, you know, your alcohol, then you're not going to be a good leader. Because why? The priests were not allowed to drink. When they went into the temples, they weren't allowed to drink at all. And if they did, they came up dead. You couldn't walk into the Most High's temple inebriated, brothers and sisters. No, no striker. Not given to filthy lucre. Not given to filthy lucre. That means teaching for money, brothers and sisters. You got some pastors out there who they'll, you know, they won't go through three scriptures, but they'll pass the collection plate around about four or five times. Yeah. Lord told me somebody got a thousand dollar times in here. Everybody give a thousand dollars. Anybody who can't do a thousand, give me three. This is what's going on for filthy lucre. That's money, brothers and sisters. They're teaching for money, not for the people to be awakened. From the valley of the dry bones. Continue, brother. Verse 8. But a lover of hospitality. Philanthropy. You must be charitable. A lover of good men. Sober. Just. Holy. See, you must be sober. You must be just. You must be holy. Holy means set apart. Sober means sober-minded and sober physically. It's not saying you can't have a glass of wine every now and then to relax. But that can't be the bane of your existence. People can't know you as the person who always have the liquor or the wine or the one who's always inebriated. Because you're not going to be a good leader. When Everybody's not going to be a leader. So we're not saying everybody has to do this. But if you're looking for a position, this is what you must emanate from your spirit, brothers and sisters. Verse 8. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Temperate. You have to be able to control your temper. Verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able to be by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. See, so you would have to be able to convince those who don't believe. That makes a good leader, brothers and sisters. That means going to war with scriptures. Somebody pull out a scripture. Well, really, the scriptures say this. Go to this scripture. Go to that scripture. Go to this scripture. That's your job, brothers and sisters. Verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, 
especially they of the circumcision. They of the circumcision. Circumcision means the children of Israel. There's many unruly, vain talkers and deceivers amongst our people, brothers and sisters. Christ was a black man. There was black men that were trying to get Christ killed, brothers and sisters. Our own people who are envious, who will be looking at you the whole time and want to take your position, take what you have, take your wife, take your car, take your church, take your shoes. This is what's going on, brothers and sisters. There's many filthy, unruly, and vain talkers, deceivers amongst our people. So we can't come together with our people. Malcolm X was killed by a black man. Martin Luther King, all of our people were killed by our own people. So we can't come together with you because you're black or because you know Israel. You know you're Israel. You must follow these laws, statutes, and commandments, and then you are, you know, accepted into a community that's going to help support you in all fashions. Verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. Filthy lucre. So you'll have brothers out there who are trying to teach against the Bible and teach all these false doctrines in order to split a family up and tear, you know, turn families back into paganism and Buddhism and atheism and believing in flat earth, all this other stuff that have nothing to do with the Bible. You would have people in the truth that's looking to tear you apart from the body, pull you out there, have you out there on your own. And then while you're out there on your own, you're like, okay, yeah, so where are we gathering at? He like, nah. Gather. Ah, you good. You out there on your own. Learn on your own. You good. So Satan to pull you out there because he want to be the only voice that you hear. So he's going to have you separated from people who could save you or could throw you a life raft, brothers and sisters. There's many vain talkers of the children of Israel out there, brothers and sisters. And that's why this is the measuring tape. These people that this scripture is talking about will not be leaders, will not be the government. That, that's being established, brothers and sisters. Uh, can you... Uh, I just finished 11. Okay. Um, can you read 10 and 11 one more time just to close that out? Titus 1, verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. It was simple and an equitable system, brothers and sisters. When the Israelites followed God's instructions for good government, the nation prospered. When they ignored those laws, they experienced problems. We experienced problems, brothers and sisters. We're going to Matthew 23 and 11. So, brothers and sisters, what we just went over, number one, we went over the directives, the foundation, the the laws that will be implemented as a nation of people. Number two, we went into government, those who will be selected and elected to be government officials, governors of the earth, those who can be trusted, brothers and sisters. We're going to Matthew 23 and 11. Matthew 23, verse 11. But he that is greatest among you. Shall be your servant. See, so those who are actually put in that position are there to serve, not to be in charge, not to show that they know more than somebody. You're actually there as a servant, right? So when we go out and do philanthropy and people look at us like, why are we doing this? It's because the Most High said the greatest amongst you will be a servant. So we'll buy you some shoes. We'll buy you some food. Because why? We're servants. Because that's what the Bible say. We don't look at ourselves as anything higher than what we are. That's all we are. We're servants, brothers and sisters. Here to serve the kingdom, serve our brothers, serve our sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 11. 
But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. See, so the leaders would serve the needs of the people and not their own desires, not the filthy lucre that the scriptures just talked about in Titus, that they're teaching just for money, just so they can get paid. That's not what scripture is supposed to be used for. That's not what the position is or the platform is supposed to be used for, brothers and sisters. It's supposed to be used to empower our brothers and sisters so we can fight in Christ's army. We're going to Deuteronomy 4 and 9 because once you have the government, once you have the, the directives, what do you have next? The third and major step is what? Education, brothers and sisters. The third major step in God's process of nation building was to establish a right foundation and a focus for education, brothers and sisters. A nation's educational system molds and shapes its citizens' ideas and their perspectives. If the educational system is not built on a solid, fundamental foundation of truth and values, the nation will eventually weaken and crumble, brothers and sisters. So education is something we must teach ourselves. We must teach our children not to rely on those who are scarlet color, who are the enemy, to teach us, brothers and sisters. If you're your own nation, you have your own education. We're going to show you Deuteronomy 4 and 9 because... The biblical model shows us that education, the education of the Bible is in contrast to the the secular world. And we're going to show you why. Go to Deuteronomy 4 and 9, brother. Deuteronomy 4 and 9. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest thou depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Read that part again. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. See, so when it comes to education, Moses repeatedly emphasized the parents' role in teaching the children. We must teach our children, brothers and sisters. That's that. That's a must. If we're going to be a nation of people, we must teach our people, brothers and sisters. Not allow the government to teach our people what they think they should learn. No. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons, and thy sons' sons. See? So it's emphasized repeatedly that the parents teach their children. We're going to show you. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, brother. Deuteronomy 6 and 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes. See, if you fear the Most High, you keep his commandments. That's how you, that's, that's fearing the Most High. To keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. See, so we would teach our children how to please the Most High. Therefore, we could live a long, healthy, succulent, jubilant life. Verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel. Hear who? O Israel. And observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. And the land that floweth with milk and honey. See, you will have a land that's flowing with milk and honey if you just follow his commandments. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel. Hear who? Hear, O Israel. 
The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Read that again, brother. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. So the biblical model shows that the most vital knowledge to convey to next, the next generation are concerning the laws of the Most High God. Not nursery rhymes or liberal arts, brothers and sisters, but to sh- teach the, <laughs> the commandments to the generations, the y- younger generations, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlet, frontlets between thine eyes. Right. So, brothers and sisters, it's emphasized that we are to teach our children. That's the educational part, brothers and sisters. That's the educational part for teaching, you know, for becoming a nation. All right. So, brothers and sisters, in order for us to become a nation, we must have directive, which is a law. We must have a government established that will uphold that law. And we must have education of our own. It's emphatic, brothers and sisters. It's 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 repeatedly uh, emphasized that the parents are responsible for teaching their children. Malcolm X had a he had a famous quote where, you know, only a fool would allow the enemy to teach their children. And that's what's going on. We allow our children to go to school for eight hours a day and to be taught all types of evolution, all types of Big Bang Theory. And then they come home and and eat dinner and go to bed. No, you have to come right behind that and take all of that foolishness that they learn in these secular schools and replace it with righteousness. That's part of the education. We must teach our own. That's part of becoming a nation, brothers and sisters. And what do we teach? We teach the laws, statutes, and commandments, brothers and sisters. Now, of course, there were schools in ancient Israel when we were a people, as there are today. And the Bible reveals that curriculum that should be based on the word of God, brothers and sisters. What's that curriculum? We're going to show you some of the knowledge that was taught to the children, to the young men. We're going to 1st Edris. Chapter 3, verse 1. This was the knowledge that was to be taught as education, brothers and sisters. Go into the apographer. First Ezra's. Ezra's is also named Ezra. When you go to Ezra in the Old Testament, that's Ezra's. First Ezra's, 3 and 1. Now when Darius reigned, he made a great feast unto all his subjects and unto all his household and unto all the princes of Media. Persia. Right. So you had the king of the earth, which is Darius, which is the king of Persia. Persia is who? Modern day Iran. Verse two. And to all the governors and captains and lieutenants that were under him from from Judea unto Ethiopia of an hundred twenty and seven provinces. So he he called everybody together to throw a feast, brothers and sisters. Verse three. And when they had eaten and drunken and being satisfied were going home. Then Darius the king went into his bedchamber and slept, and soon after awake. Then three young men that were of the guard that kept the king's body spake one to another. Right, so you had the three quote-unquote bodyguards who were guarding the king, and they had this conversation. Verse 5, let every one of us speak a sentence. He that shall overcome, and whose sentence shall seem wiser than the others. Unto him shall the king Darius give great gifts. 
and great things in token of victory. Right. So they were going to expound on some knowledge. And whoever had the wisest knowledge would receive gifts from the king. See, and back then it was based on your knowledge, not how many shoes you had on or how long your hair was and all this other mess, brothers and sisters. It was based on your wisdom. Now, he who had the wisest wisdom would receive gifts, brothers and sisters. Let's see what it was they were discussing. Jump to verse 10, brother. Verse 10. The first row. Now, it said that they would all write a sentence. So they all would write something. And then the king, once he awoke, would choose which was the wisest. These were the things that these wise men taught, brothers and sisters. This is what should be taught to our children. This was the education. This was the curriculum. It was the question was asked, what is the strongest entity on earth? What is the most powerful thing that's on earth, brothers and sisters? This is what was being taught. We're going to go through it today. Verse 10, the first rope, wine is the strongest. The second rope, the king is the strongest. The third rope, women are strongest. But above all things, truth beareth away the victory. Right. See, so they knew that the most powerful things on earth were these things here. And it's not coincidence that when our people become iconic, right, or quote-unquote moguls, what usually trips them up? Alcohol and, excuse me, alcohol, partying, and women. Those are the things that Satan used against our people. They are the strongest, brothers and sisters. Those things Satan used when our people get elevated and get to that position, he used these things, brothers and sisters, and this was taught to the children. This was part of the curriculum. Can you read uh, verse 10 through 13 again, brother? Verse 10. The first rope, wine is the strongest. The second rope, the king is the strongest. The third rope, women are strongest, but above all things, truth beareth away victory. See, this is the curriculum. Continue, brother. Verse 13. Now, when the king was risen up, they took their writings and delivered them unto him. And so he read them. And sending forth, he called all the princes of Persia and Media, and the governors, and the captains, and lieutenants, and the chief officers, and sat them down in the royal seat of judgment. And the writings were read before them. And he said, Call the young men, and they shall declare their own sentences. So they were called and came in. Right, so now they were to expound or explain why they believe wine is the strongest, why they believe the king is the strongest, why they believe that women have the most power. Verse 17, and he said unto them, declare unto us your mind concerning the writings. They began the first who had spoken of the strength of wine. So the first who, who, who spoke of the strength of wine, he began to expound on what he meant by that, brothers and sisters. This was what was taught to our people. This is what was taught to our children. This was part of the curriculum, brothers and sisters. We weren't learning about Independence Day. We weren't learning about Thanksgiving Day. We weren't learning... Algebra, brothers and sisters. We were learning life. Verse 18. And he said, O ye men, how exceeding strong is wine. It causes all men to err so, that drink it. So he said that wine is the strongest. It causes all men to err, brothers and sisters. Now, the power of wine is being presented from various perspectives, individual and social, positive and negative, with some ambivalence, brothers and sisters. So he we put a magnifying glass on it to see what about it makes it the strongest entity that there is. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 18. And he said, Thus, O ye men, how exceeding strong is wine. It causeth all men to err that drink it. 
It maketh the mind of the king and of the fatherless child to be all one of the bondmen and of the freemen, of the poor man and of the rich. Read that again, brother. Verse 19. It maketh the mind of the king and of the fatherless child to be all one of the bondmen and of the freemen. And of the poor man and of the rich. Right. See, so it make all people, it would say, it would bring the king down. A king who usually when you when a king is raised, he's raised on how to mm. rule. He learns different cultures. He learned different languages because he's, he was raised to rule, brothers and sisters. It says that a man's mind would be as a fatherless child. Why? Even a king could be brought down spiritually and mentally to the level of a fatherless child. Because why? A child with no father have, don't have any example of what rulership is. Because why? The example starts in the home with that man. So if he's not there, then a man don't know how to rule. That's what this is saying, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 19. It maketh the mind of the king and of the fatherless child to be all one of the bondmen and of the free man. And the poor man and of the rich. Right. So, brothers and sisters, it would bring the most intelligent down to the level of a nincompoop. Continue. Jolty. Verse 20. It turneth also every thought into jolty and mirth. Jolty is what? It's celebration. So, that means nothing is serious when you're inebriated. This is the shrinks of the wine. This is why the brother said wine is the most powerful Brothers and sisters, it's just like Novocaine. If you drink enough of it, you will be drunk. No matter how strong you think your stomach is, this never goes wrong. You drink that wine, brothers and sisters, you drink two, three gallons in one day, you probably die. No matter how long you've been drinking, there's power in wine, brothers and sisters. And when we say wine, we're going to add alcohol to that too. There's power. And this is what was taught to the children, brothers and sisters. Can you read, read brother? Verse 20. It turneth also every thought into jollity and mirth, so that a man remembereth neither sorrow nor death. And see, this is why this this is actually perpetuated in our system because it because it it causes you not to remember sorrow nor death, so you don't even know the circumstance. None of that's in your mind. The circumstances that we're in, that our people are in, what's going on around us, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse twenty. It turneth also every thought into jollity and mirth. So that a man remembereth neither sorrow nor death, and it maketh every heart rich, so that a man remembereth neither king nor governor, and it maketh to speak all things by talents. Right, so you'll get a brother who, you know, once he's inebriated, he'll start saying things about his brothers and his sisters and his family and the king that he traditionally wouldn't say, brothers and sisters. Because why? He had that in him. And this is the power, the strength of wine, brothers and sisters. We're going to go through all three of them. What is the most powerful entity known to man? Verse 22. And when they are in their cups, they forget their love both to friends and brethren. And a little after draw out swords. And you, you see it. You got your brothers and your sisters getting drunk. And usually what happens? A fight. Usually there's fisticuffs. There's bloodshed. This is the power of wine, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 22, and when they are in their cups, they forget their love both to friends and brethren, and a little after draw out swords. But when they are from the wine, they remember not what they have done. O ye men, is not wine the strongest that henceforth to do thus? And when he had so spoken, 
he held his peace. Right. So, brothers and sisters, most important of all, wine is seen as depriving a human being of his greatest advantage, which is what? His mind, his reason. So this brother brought out the reasons why he believed that wine is the strongest entity. And these, it, it's, it, it's quite intriguing that when our people, especially the artists, the rappers, when they become moguls, what do they get? They get a liquor brand. Ciroc, right? For Puff Daddy, right? and vodka, 50 cents, right? They perpetuate this. They give our people money and then lift us up in order to use that same thing to pull us back in, brothers and sisters. Now you have rappers, you have celebrities, ball players promoting alcohol that they don't even drink a lot of them, brothers and sisters. A lot of them don't even drink, but they're promoting it. They're selling it to you. This is prophesied in the Bible, brothers and sisters, the power of wine. Now, we're going to go to the next. We're going to go to the next thing. Actually, read read 22 through 24, and we're going to move on. First Ezra 3 and 23, or 22. And when they are in their cups, they forget their love both to friends and brethren, and a little after draw out swords. But when they are cup, when they are from the wine, they remember not what they have done. O ye men, is not wine the strongest that henceforth to do thus? And when he had so spoken, he held his peace. See, this was the education. This was the education. This is what you educated your children on, brothers and sisters. The power of wine. The power of truth. The power of women. This is what was being taught, brothers and sisters. Not a big bang. Not that people came from monkeys, brothers and sisters. That's part of making sure you don't get above a certain level of knowledge. That's why they're teaching those things, brothers and sisters. Because they don't want you to outgrow what their programming is. We're going to go to second address four and we're going to read 13. First address four, verse 13. Then the third who has spoken of women and of the truth. Read that again, brother. Then the third who had spoken of women and of the truth. This was Zerubbabel began to speak. Right, so now he's going to go into the power of women, brothers and sisters. This is what was taught to our young men. This was taught to our sisters. Verse 14, O ye men, it is not the great king, nor the multitude of men, neither is it the wine that excelleth. Who is it then that ruleth them, or hath the lordship over them? Are they not women? See, are not women the most powerful? Verse 15, Women have borne the king and all the people that bear rule by sea and land. Right. So the women birthed the king. They birthed all people. That's number one. Verse 16. Even of even thee came they, and they nourished them up that planted the vineyards from whence the wine cometh. Right. So who take care of the king as a child? Who raised the boys? That's the mother. That's the woman. The power of a woman to raise men to be kings. Verse 17. These also make garments for men. See, during this time, they dressed the men. They made the garments for their sons, for the king. Brothers and sisters, this is the power of a woman. These bring glory unto men, and without women cannot men be. Read that again. Verse 18, verse 17. These also make garments for men. These bring glory unto men, and without women cannot men be. Women bring glory to the man. What does that mean? That means you can bring a woman or your wife an idea and she will increase that idea. 
You bring a woman a house, she makes it a home. You bring a woman groceries, she makes it dinner. See? Read verse 18. Yeah, and if men have gathered together gold and silver, silver or any other goodly thing, do they not love a woman which is comely in favor and beauty? Right, so brothers and sisters, a man will give away everything that he have amassed for a beloved woman. All his gold, all his silver, everything he worked for. He only worked for it for what? To give it to a woman. That's the power of a woman, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 18. Yeah, and if men have gathered together gold and silver or any other goodly thing, do they not love a woman which is comely in favor and beauty? And letting all those things go, do they not gape? And even with open mouth fix their eyes fast on her. And have not all men more desire unto her than unto silver or gold or any other goodly thing See? whatsoever? So a man have a desire for a wife, for a woman, above anything else, above rubies, above gold, above land. The woman have that power, brothers and sisters. And you have to understand that. The sisters need to understand that. The brothers need to understand that. Because see, the king who was judging what was uh, what he deemed as being the wisest wisdom, he was going to use these particular things against our people. So he said, I need to know the strongest things that I can use against these people. Number one, wine. Women. See, these are the things that he would use. Continue, brother. <clears throat> Verse 20. A man leaveth his own father that brought him up in his own country and cleaveth unto his wife. Right. So a man would leave his mother and father to be joined with a woman. That's the power of a woman. Verse 21. He sticks not to spend his life with his wife and remembereth neither father nor mother nor country. By this also you must know that women have dominion over you. Do ye not labor and toil? And give and bring all to the woman. Right. So don't you go out to work, right, just to please a woman. Right. Isn't that what men are doing? They go get nice cars and nice haircuts and clothes for women, not for themselves, brothers and sisters. This is the power of a woman. He's going into he's going into a dissertation of the power of women. And especially for Israel, Satan used women against us, brothers and sisters, since the beginning. He used women. He used alcohol. Those two things. Together, in conjunction with money, the other things that once you get to that higher level, the sorcerers, they start unleashing the women on you. And they're not the good women, brothers and sisters, like our mothers. They're the women who won valedictorian, right? The ones who were the, che the head cheerleaders. See, those women who've been cultivated for this moment to suck you dry. This is what the Bible's prophesying. The power of a woman, brothers and sisters. This is what we taught to our children. Verse 23, yeah, a man taketh his sword and goeth his way to rob and to steal, to sell upon the sea and, and upon rivers, and looketh upon a lion and goeth in the darkness. And when he hath stolen, spoiled and robbed, he bringeth it to his love. See, so a man will go out, rob, steal, sell drugs, and then for what? To bring home that status to a woman. This is the power of a woman, brothers and sisters. We know drug dealers right now. That's out there selling drugs just so they can get a new bag for their girl. Just so they can get the status, the new car. So this is the power of a woman, brothers and sisters. Examine this. This is what was being taught in, the, you know, in our schools to our children, brothers and sisters. 
how to respect the power of wine, how to respect the power of a woman, how to respect the power of truth. Continue, brother. Verse 25. Wherefore, a man loveth his wife better than father and mother. See, he would love his wife more than his mother and father. Verse 26. Yeah, many there be that. Yeah, many there be that have run out of their wits for women and become servants for their sake. See, so a lot of men, there have been men who've gone crazy, brothers and sisters, um, you know, have gone crazy, who have uh, adopted all kinds of lifestyles, good or bad, to satisfy his wife. So he'll do the wrong thing and he'll do the right thing as long as he satisfies this woman. This is the power of a woman, brothers and sisters. That's what this is. So you know that you're not supposed to be out on the Sabbath, but your wife, right? I just want to go out on the Sabbath. I just want to go out to eat. Uh, all right. Well, you know we don't celebrate, honey. Uh, you know, holidays, honey. Well, Christmas, just one time. Can we do it once for the kids? Right? <laughs> hmm? See? So a man would slip into all types of behaviors that aren't him for a woman. That's the power of a woman. What can a... A woman can get you to do anything, brothers and sisters, within, you know, within the parameters, but things that nobody else can get you to do as a man. That's the power of a woman. You must respect that because if you don't, it'll be used to tear you down. Continue, brother. Verse 27. Many also have perished, have erred, and sinned for women. See, have sinned for women, doing things we know we shouldn't be doing, fornicating. All types of stuff that men know they have no business doing. They're doing it to please a woman. Verse 28. And now, do ye not believe me? Is not the king great in his power? Do not all regions fear to touch him? Yet did I see him in, in Apome, the king's concubine, the daughter of the admirable Bardicus, sitting at the right hand of the king. So now he's going into something he saw going on with the king. The king was in his bedchambers with his concubine. And this is what happened. Verse 29. Yet did I see him in Apome, the king's concubine, the daughter of the admirable Bardicus, sitting at the right hand of the king, and taking the crown from the king's head, and setting it upon her own head. She also stroked the king with her left hand. Right. So she took the crown off the king's head. <laughs> Put it on her own head and then slapped him lovingly. That's the power of a woman because any other man would have been dead. That's what this is saying, brothers and sisters. That's what this is saying. It wasn't really right for a king to allow somebody to take his crown, slap him in the face, right? When all men feared this man. This is the power of a woman, brothers and sisters, right? Your girl, your wife do something to you that you wouldn't allow nobody to do to you, right? Rubber hands through your head, all types of stuff, right? That's the power of a woman, brothers and sisters. You got to respect that. You got to respect that. Continue, brother. Verse 31. And yet for all this, the king gaped and gazed upon her with open mouth. If she laughed upon him, he laughed also. But if she took any displeasure at him, the king was fain to flatter that she might be reconciled to him again. Right. So when that woman... Is not happy what you do, whatever you can to re reconcile it, don't you? What's wrong? What I do? <laughs> right? This is the power of a woman, brothers and sisters. Verse 32. O ye men, how can it be but women should be strong, seeing they do thus? Right. See? So he's saying women are the strongest, brothers and sisters. 
Now, we've gone into wine. We've gone into the power of a woman. Now, we're going to go into the power of truth. These are the things that were taught in our educational system, brothers and sisters. We're going to read First Ezra chapter 4, verse 38 through 42. First Ezra 4 and 38. As for the truth, it endured and is always strong. It liveth and conquereth forevermore. With her, there is no accepting of person. See, so the truth endure forevermore, brothers and sisters. It don't change at all. Or with her, there is no accepting of persons or rewards. But she doeth the things that are just and refraineth from all unjust and wicked things. And all men do well like of her work. When it says her, what is it talking about? It's talking about truth, brothers and sisters. Truth is not accepting of persons or rewards, but she doeth the things that are just. That's what truth do. Truth is not, you know, don't have favorites, brothers and sisters. Verse 40. Neither in her judgment is any unrighteousness. And she is the strength, kingdom, power, and majesty of all ages. Blessed be the God of truth. And with that, he held his peace. And all the people that shouted and said, great is truth and mighty above all things. See, so the people came to a consensus that truth was the most powerful thing. Of course, women are powerful. Wine is powerful too, but nothing is more powerful than truth, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 41. And with that, he held his peace. And all the people then shouted, then shouted and said, great is truth and mighty above all things. Then said the king unto him, ask what thou wilt, more than is appointed in the writing, and we will give it thee, because thou art found wisest, and thou shalt sit next to me. And shall be called my cousin. See, so brothers and sisters, this is the education that was taught to our children, brothers and sisters. That was taught to our young men. That was taught to our young girls. This is the kind of information that should be taught, brothers and sisters. We got a few more scriptures. We're going to go to Proverbs 4 and 7. Wisdom scriptures, Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 4 and 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. See, so this is the goal, brothers and sisters, of education is to get understanding and wisdom that, you know, gain wisdom that could be useful, to, you know, to serve others. That's what education is about, brothers and sisters. It's about getting to know and get closer to the Most High, growing in wisdom, and to gain useful knowledge that you can serve others with. Going to Matthew 20 and 26 to prove that. That's the purpose of education. Not what they're using it for now. We know education now have nothing to do with that, does it? Matthew 20 and 26. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Right. So, brothers and sisters, in conjunction with gaining useful knowledge to serve others, our education should be helped to what? Develop the mind and character of the Most High. That's what it should be used for. We're going to show you. We're going to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. This is the birth of a nation, brothers and sisters. This is getting kingdom ready. Philippians 2. And five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. See, because why? For most people today, the primary motivation for education is to earn more money and to buy things 
or to enhance one's reputation to satisfy personal, you know, uh, personal interests. They're not learning so they can, you know, get closer to the most high so they can help somebody. They're learning, getting PhDs because they want to get paid more. So there's a difference. We don't raise our children to get educated for money. We raise them to get educated to serve, to lead. Continue, brother. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See, this is the mindset that we must gain through our learning. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. See we must become obedient. Verse verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the, that at the name of Christ every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth. And things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Right. This should be our mindset, brothers and sisters. The Most High's educational system is based on revealed truth, not on the changeable theories of educators. We're going to show you. We got about six more passages. We're going to close out. We're going to John 17 and 17. This is how you build a nation, brothers and sisters. This is all of our responsibilities. To fit in here and to teach our people, this is what we come together under. Not just us being Israel. These are the things we need to establish so when the time comes, you can rule. John 17 and 17. Sanctify them through thy, tr through thy truth. Thy word is truth. See? So the foundation of education should be truth, brothers and sisters. An educational system built on a solid foundation of truth will produce... Pro excuse me. Will produce... A great nation free of false and misleading ideas that bring dangerous and unwanted, uh, unwanted consequences, brothers and sisters. If you build your, your foundation on truth, everything will become everything will be equitable, brothers and sisters. Uh, go to Psalms 119 and 142, brother. Psalms 119 and 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. See, the law is the truth. So we're supposed to teach the truth, which is the law, brothers and sisters. Go to verse 51, brother. Oh, excuse me, 151. Verse 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are true. See, the basis of what we teach, brothers and sisters, to our children to our friends, to our family, to our nation is the law, brothers and sisters. This is what we teach them. This is the foundation of our education. Jump to verse 160, brother. Psalms 119 and 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. See? So we must teach truth. That must be the foundation of what we teach, brothers and sisters. In order for us to become a nation, we must have what? We must have a, a law. We must have a government to uphold that law. We must have education to teach to our people. This is nation building, brothers and sisters. This is nation building. This is all the things that we must come together and be in, you know, uh, in cahoots. We must collude together in order to do these things. Go to John 8 and 32, brother. We're talking about truth. This is what should be taught. John 8 verse 32. And ye shall know the truth. 
And the truth shall make you free. See, considering these biblical instructions, it is not surprising that modern educational systems have produced dysfunctional societies where crime, violence, greed, dishonesty, drug abuse, divorce, mental disorders, and suicides have skyrocketed to alarming levels, brothers and sisters. Because why? There's no truth. We must build on the truth, brothers and sisters. This is why it's important to carefully examine and prove what is really true. First Thessalonians 5 and 21. We're rounding it up, brothers and sisters. First Thessalonians 5 and 21. Verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Read that again. Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. See, when you're dealing with somebody even that who, who claim they follow the Bible, you must prove that they follow the Bible. Because you're saying you follow the Bible, what do you feel about the Sabbath? What do you feel about pork? What do you feel about this? Because you're not following the Bible if you don't agree with those things. So there's been huge amounts of money, you know, being spent to give students an education grounded in Greek and Roman philosophy. Evolutionary theory and secular humanism that rejects God and the biblical values. This is what billions of dollars have been spent on in these educations, uh, you know, in these educational institutions that, you know, are spiritual prisons, we like to say. So what's the result of them teaching us Greek and Roman philosophy? Test scores have plummeted. Many graduates, bar many graduates could barely speak. You know, or, or solve a simple arithmetic problem, brothers and sisters. Because why? The basis of the teaching is Roman and Greek philosophy. It's Plato. It's Socrates. Why do we revere these men? What about Christ? What about Jeremiah? What about Ezekiel? We, you know, we, we celebrate all these other people except for our people. Our people. The prophets in the Bible, brothers and sisters. So now, what do we do now? Now... We understand that we're going to be a, there's a challenging future ahead of us and we have a responsibility. We're going to we're going to go to these last few scriptures and we're going to close it out. The Bible clearly states that times would get worse. And through these worst times that will arise, the children of Israel will rise to rule. Matthew 24 and 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these, th these things be? <clears throat> Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Christ answered, and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So they asked him, How do you know when it's going to be the end of the world? He answered, Take heed, let no man deceive you. So in the last days, you would have men trying to deceive you, brothers and sisters. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Who comes saying, I am Christ? Christians. I am a Christian. So he's prophesying that there will be people claiming that they're following Christ, when really they're following the devil. Read it again, brother. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many. There's only one group of people that's using Christ's name in the earth, brothers and sisters, and that's Christians. So the Christians would claim they're following Christ, but really they're deceiving you. Verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars, and rumors of wars, so that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. Right, so you would hear wars and rumors of wars. You turn on the news today, 
it, you wouldn't be hard pressed to, to hear about Iran and Korea and all these other you know lands. So this is what's going on. Verse six, and ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars, so that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, nationality against nationality, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. See, so when you start to see these things, understand that the end is near, brothers and sisters. Go to verse 21 and 22, brother. Matthew 24, verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. So it will be great tribulation. That's what we're going through right now, brothers and sisters. Verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should, be, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sakes, those days shall be shortened. See, so the days will be shortened for the elect's sake, the elect of Israel, brothers and sisters. If Christ or the Most High didn't shorten the days, this government would kill us all through vaccines through guns, through all these other, you know, through feeding us carcinogenic foods. You know, human efforts to rebuild nations and manage world affairs will ultimately fail. And God will need to intervene to prevent human extinction and cosmicide. And that's what's going to happen, brothers and sisters. Christ will return to the earth to establish the kingdom of God, you know, and he will assume power over all nations. And you'll be hard pressed to find out that the people he's going to set up to be his government are the children of Israel. We're going to show you. Go to verse 30, brother. Matthew 24 and 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. See, so Christ is going to come back to save the world from all of the venom and vitriol that is emanating out of the earth today. We're going to Revelations 11 and 17. To show you what's going to happen when Christ come back. Revelation 11 and 17. Saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come. That means you are the beginning, the present and the end. Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. And the nations were angry and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead that they shall be judged. And that thou shouldest give reward unto the servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. See, so when Christ come back, he's going to destroy those who are against him, who are against uh, Christ, who are against us. Those people who are plotting against us will be destroyed when Christ come back, brothers and sisters. Christ will have supreme power, and during that time, he will delegate positions of authority to qualified saints who will reign on this earth. We're going to show you, you all will reign on this earth. I had a brother tell me a few days ago, well, I thought we were floating into heaven. I'm like, no, brother, we're going to reign on this earth. The kingdom is coming down from heaven onto this earth. You will reign here on earth, brothers and sisters. To prove that, go to Daniel 7 and 27. We got three scriptures after that, and we're going to close out. Daniel chapter 7 and 27 to prove that the children of Israel will reign on earth. Daniel 7 and 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Read that again. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven 
shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. See, so this is why they don't want to tell you the children of Israel, because the children of Israel is prophesied that they're going to have dominion over the entire earth. You think they want to lose their power and have you in charge? No, they don't. So we will reign on earth, brothers and sisters, as kings, as priests, as civil and religious leaders. That's our, that's our position, brothers and sisters. If you follow the law, statutes, and commandments, become a nation with our people, you will have dominion. And that's the gospel. That's what we go to tell our people, the quote-unquote minorities. Just hold on. Change is coming. We understand the frustration the generations up from 100 years ago have been, you know, have been kicked, have been kicked, have been stomped on, have have been on the bottom. The Bible tells you the last shall be first and the first shall be last. We've been last for a long time, brothers and sisters, and that's about to change. That's about to change. Go to Revelations 1 and 6 and then we'll close uh, in Isaiah. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. Revelation 1 and 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. See, he's going to make us kings and priests, brothers and sisters. And we will have dominion forever and ever. Go to chapter 5 verse 10, brother. Revelations. Revelation 5 verse 10. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. We shall what? Reign on the earth. We shall what? Reign on the earth. We will reign on earth, brothers and sisters. You're not floating up into heaven. That's what they tell good slaves. Do what I say, you'll float into heaven. No, I'm reigning here. We reigning right here. That's where we're going to reign at. Don't give me that float up into heaven mess. Don't give me that mess. We're going to reign right here, brothers and sisters. Going to Isaiah 9 and 6. We're going to reign here, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. This is Christ. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Read that again. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. So the government shall be on his shoulders. When Christ come back, he's bringing a government. Guess who's a part of that government? Read that, brother. Uh, next scripture, please. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. The increase of his government. These governments are not governments of Christ, brothers and sisters. And this is why they're fighting against Christ. Because they know when Christ come back, he's bringing a government. Just like every other kingdom, the Persians, Iraq, Iran, all of them have governments. America have a government. Christ's people will have a government. We will be the government of the earth, brothers and sisters, the real new world order. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. See, we will, we will, we will, um, we will display judgment. We will display justice. That is your job, brothers and sisters. That's why we must come together as a nation. 
Because our nation will be the ruling government when Christ come back, brothers and sisters. There won't be Gentiles. There will be no white people in the government. There will be no Asians in the government, brothers and sisters. There will be no Africans in the government. They're ruling now. When they when when Christ come back, it will be the 12 tribes. And we're going to show you that. And then we're going to close out. We're going to Revelation 7 and 1 to show you who's going to rule the government. We're going to read uh, chapter 7, 1 through 8 to show you who's going to rule the government. Revelation 7, verse 1. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees. So we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. See, so the angels have the power to destroy the earth, but they're holding it until they get the, the you know, the decision, the judgment. Check, examine this, though, brothers and sisters. This verse, is the government. Verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand. And of the... And of all of the tribes of the children of Israel. There will be 144,000 Israelites, brothers and sisters. 12,000 from each tribe that will be enlisted into the government of Christ, brothers and sisters. There's only be Israelites. There will be 144,000 men, righteous men, who've put down sin, who've picked up the commandments, who are righteous, who are loving, who are forgiven, who are humble. This is your government, brothers and sisters. 144,000 of those quote-unquote minorities. Continue, brother. Verse 5. And of the tribe of Judah... Of the Jews, of the Negroes... Were sealed 12,000. There will be 12,000 Negroes in the government, brothers and sisters. And of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. The, the Aborigines of Australia, the Seminole Indians. 12,000 of them will be government. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. The North American Indians, 12,000 of them will be part of the government. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. Asher, Bolivia, all of those in the oil-rich countries. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. The Cubans will be, 12,000 of the Cubans will be government, brothers and sisters. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Simeon is who? The Dominicans. The Dominicans, 12,000 of them will be part of the government. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Levi, the Haitians, 12,000 of those brothers will be part of the ruling government. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. The Mexicans. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Zebulun, the Panamanians, the Costa Ricans, these people will be, 12,000 of these brothers will be ruling the government. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. That's the Puerto Ricans. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. Right, Benjamin. Those from the West Indies, the Jamaicans, Trinidadians, those from Tobago. 12,000 in each of these tribes make 144,000 people. 144,000 men will be the rulers of the new earth, brothers and sisters, the government. This is why Christ is telling us we must rise as a nation, implement his laws, implement his education, implement his government status. Therefore, he can give us the rulership. When you look at the government today, it's most it's majority ninety nine point nine percent they're scarlet color. They're they're white people. When you go into Iran, their government is their people. What government do our people have? What government what army do we have over in Costa Rica? What army do we have in Mexico? What army do we have over in uh, Puerto Rico? None. 
See? So now it's our chance. There'll be 12,000 of each tribe, 144,000 brown men ruling the earth when Christ come back. And that's why they will not tell you who you are. Because they know with that knowledge come rulership. You ruling the government. You making the laws. The same way they make the laws now. That will be delegated to you. And they don't want that. Read verse 12, brother. Verse 12. Saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. See? Amen. See, see brothers and sisters? Each and every, 12,000 from each tribe. Nobody's left out. We'll be the ruling government. We're going to go to our last scripture and close out. Because some people say, rule over people. I don't know if I like a God that rule, where, you know, where some people were not equal. And I'm like, are you ruling right now? Is somebody ruling right now? Do you have a problem with that? See, no, you only have a problem when our people <laughs> are put in a position to rule. That's the problem. We've been programmed to be slaves. You'll be okay with the white man ruling over you, with the Asians ruling over you, but when it's our chance, it's like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know how people going to feel. We're going to show you how people going to feel. Proverbs 29 and 2. We're going to close it out here, brothers and sisters. This is how people will feel once we get in our rightful position. Proverbs 29 verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked be beareth rule, the people mourn. See? So when the righteous rule, the whole earth will be happy, brothers and sisters. People will be treated fairly. There will be no war. The Bible tell you once Israel get their land back, the world will no no war, no more. There will be no more war once we're back in our land, brothers and sisters. So the world rejoice when you have righteous people ruling. And that's what's going to happen. We're going to rule and they're going to rejoice, brothers and sisters. Today we had a lesson, a detailed lesson. It was a little, it was a little bit extended, brothers and sisters. But when you're talking about birthing a nation, when you're talking about becoming kingdom ready, when you're talking about knowing what your purpose is, and you know, uh, us coming together under one ideology, under one objective, with one purpose, this is where we start, brothers and sisters. This is how we become a nation. We must be unified with the same ideology and the same beliefs. To the outside world. The outside world does not respect us. Because we all have a different ideology. And a different plan. If we come together with this plan. See they're not stronger than us. They're more organized than us. If we become organized. We take over brothers and sisters. So we we ask that the brothers and sisters. Go back on this lesson when you get a chance. And pray on this lesson. And this is the purpose that we work towards with our brethren, with our sisters, not just being Israel, but coming together to be a nation. This was a birth of a nation, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala.